Like many of you, I'll be watching the Super Bowl this year for the commercials. I hope you'll watch for Will Ferrell getting angry with Norway in a way that only Will Ferrell can, or to see if the newest State Farm team member will upset Patrick Mahomes. It's hard for me to root for Steeler Slayer Tom Brady and former Steeler Antonio Brown, but I'm not bitter. I have a friend that likes to say to people who don't look happy, if you're happy today, you forgot to tell your face. One company had a solution for that. They offered buttons at the entrance to their offices. Do you remember offices going to the office? Every day when employees arrived, they could choose a button that expressed their mood or their attitude for the day. Some workers said it made it easier to interact because you didn't really have to guess how people were feeling. You could just walk in and pick words like energetic, sensitive, sad, hopeful, overwhelmed, inspired, stressed, happy, grumpy, tired, peaceful, positive, patient, productive, proud, passionate, or pleased. Take your pick. But the one button that was checked out the most started with a P and ended with the word off. Off. My mother doesn't like it when I say that word, so it was bleeped from this sermon. I think Jonah would be wearing that button in today's text. What button would you be wearing right now? To summarize your mood and your attitude. In chapter 3 of Jonah, everyone in Nineveh has repented from the king on down to the animals, and Jonah isn't happy about it. May we hear the good news from Jonah this day, from the fourth chapter, a chapter that features the button angry six times in only 11 verses. I invite you to listen as God seeks to give Jonah an attitude adjustment. But this was very displeasing to Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said while I was still in my own country? This is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent from punishing. And now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? Then Jonah went out of the city and sat down east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade, waiting to see what would become of the city. The Lord God appointed a bush and made it come up over Jonah to give shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was very happy about the bush. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the bush so that the bush withered. When the sun rose, God prepared a sultry east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that Jonah was faint and asked that he might die. He said, it's better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the bush? And Jonah said, yes, angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, 
You are concerned about the bush for which you did not labor and which you did not grow. It came into being in the night and perished in the night. And should I not be concerned about Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also many animals? This is the good news according to Jonah. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may these, echo, these ancient words echo anew for us today. Help us to hear as Jonah did. In your name we pray. Amen. Ever been so angry you couldn't see straight? Jonah is displeased by all that has just happened. In fact, the Hebrew says he was very displeased with great displeasure. Then it goes on to say Jonah became angry. Now, Folks, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me that Jonah has been wearing the angry button since this story began. Another way to read the word translated as anger, though, is that Jonah was deeply grieved. Deeply grieved. The reality of Jonah's life that day was far from what he had hoped. I think many of us have been deeply grieved in recent days, haven't we? Deeply grieved by the losses that we have experienced, loss of time with loved ones, loss of companionship, loss of freedom, a loss of tradition and events that we look forward to, and more than once those losses have erupted in the first stage of grief, anger. So they're related. Yet even in his anger, Jonah does not abandon God. He at least has learned that lesson. In his anger, he turns to God in prayer. In the belly of the great fish, Jonah prayed in desperation and despair, and God delivered him. God delivered him, and now in anger, he still prays to the Lord. But it's not your typical prayer. Jonah prays, Lord, I told you so. I knew this would happen. That's why I went in the opposite direction. I told you so. Then Jonah recites this creed about God a creed he has learned over the years, perhaps by reading and reciting the Psalms. It seems like it had become rote, though, to Jonah at this point. It's like running through the words, but not really connecting. Conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, dead, and buried. Just running through the words and not really taking them to heart. Without fully embracing their meaning, Jonah spouts, he knows the words of the creed. I knew you were a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and ready to relent from punishing. He knew the words, but he wanted God to be different from those words that he had learned. Jonah wanted God to be as angry as he was about all this. You know, anger is useful as a diagnostic tool, says Eugene Peterson. When anger erupts, it's a signal that something is wrong. Anger is considered a secondary emotion. It starts somewhere else in us. It doesn't always start with anger. Jonah is angry, yet God is gracious, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and ready to relent from punishing. God doesn't tell Jonah not to be angry. I have to admit that I've done that at times. I've told people, don't be angry. Telling people they shouldn't be angry doesn't work. Take it from me. It doesn't work. Take it from my wife. That doesn't work. 
God doesn't dismiss Jonah's feelings and God also doesn't lash back in anger. We've all done that, haven't we? We've paid back anger for anger, for anger tends to kindle anger, doesn't it? We escalate, we can't seem to help ourselves. Someone's angry with us and we get angry right back. And yet God is good all the time. Gracious and merciful all the time. Slow to anger all the time and ready to relent from punishing all the time. And rather than react with anger, God in God's wisdom merely asks Jonah a question. Might we learn that from God today, the right question to ask when someone is angry? God asked Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? Do you do well to be angry, it says in some translations. It's a question we all need to ask ourselves from time to time. One of my friends said when he was much younger, he would yell and scream when someone cut in front of him in traffic. He would even make hand gestures of some kind to those inconsiderate drivers. And he said, now years later, I just laugh and think, what's the hurry? That's a better question. What's one more car ahead of me? It won't ruin my day. God holds up a mirror to Jonah and to us by asking the question, is it right for you to be angry? Is it right for you to be feeling this way? What anger fails to do is to tell us whether the source of the anger is inside of us or outside of us. We usually begin, don't we, by assuming that the wrong is somewhere outside, someone else's fault. Our spouse, our child, our parent, our boss, our co-worker, or even God. Someone has done something to make us angry. But if we really track anger carefully, we often find it leads to a wrong within us. Perhaps we have an inadequate understanding of all that's going on. We lack the whole story, the big picture. We've been misinformed or given the wrong data. We have decided in advance to be angry or we have jumped to a conclusion, or we might have an underdeveloped heart. Our anger flares, flares out of our childish disappointment sometimes, or it flares out because we've been embarrassed, or anger flares because we want to win and we cannot let that other person win, go Chiefs. Our anger flares and we say something we shouldn't. Our anger flares and we go a bit too far and then we're stuck reflecting, what kind of credibility do I have now after I've said that or done that? Then we need to ask ourselves the question, was it right for me to be angry? Is it right for me to be angry? It's a good question. William James wrote over a century ago that the greatest discovery of my generation is that a human being can alter his or her life by altering their attitude. We have a choice. A decision to make. Alex Dablowski wrote this about Peggy Jones. She was a petite, well-poised and proud 92-year-old lady who was always fully dressed each morning by 8 a.m. with her hair fashionably coiffed and her makeup perfectly applied, even though she was now legally blind and was being moved into a nursing home. You see, her husband of 70 years had recently died and she was making the move, the necessary move to the nursing home. After many hours of waiting patiently for her room to be ready, 
She smiled sweetly when they told her it was time to go up to the room. As she maneuvered her walker to the elevator, a visual description of her tiny room was being provided, and she just blurted out, I love it already. But Mrs. Jones, you haven't even been in the room yet. That doesn't have anything to do with it, she said. Happiness is something you decide on ahead of time. Whatever, whether I like my room or not doesn't depend on how the furniture is arranged. It's how I arrange my mind. I've already decided to love it. It's a decision I make every morning when I wake up. I have a choice. I love it already. I love it already. I can spend the day in bed recounting the difficulty I have with the parts of my body that no longer work or get out of bed and be thankful for the ones that still do. Each day is a gift, she said, and as long as my eyes open, I'll focus on the new day and all the happy memories that I've stored away just for this time in my life. She went on to explain, old age is like a bank account. You withdraw from it what you've put in. So my advice to you would be to deposit a lot of happiness in that bank account of memory. I love it already. I love it already. But others repeat the same patterns of anger over and over again. It happens like this. We come up out of our burrows and rather than seeing the sunshine, we concentrate on the shadows. Six more weeks of winter in our hearts. Six more weeks of hatred and disappointment for Jonah. If we spend our lives depositing anger and deciding in advance, I hate it, that is what we will have to withdraw as we get older. And that's what Jonah did. I'm going to hate it. I'm going to hate it if you forgive the Ninevites. I'm going to hate it. One of our members told me this week, he said that he's gotten to the age that he doesn't get angry anymore. He just gets irritated. He said it's too much energy to get angry. God reminds Jonah that he has a choice. Though he cannot choose his circumstance, he can decide in advance on his attitude despite the circumstance. So God playfully tries to break through to Jonah to break through his anger, to get Jonah to choose better for himself. Yet Jonah flees again, and this time it's to the east. He goes out to the east to pout, to wait for the city to be destroyed. He stops east of the city, and I imagine him perched atop stone mountain there, east of the city, looking back over the city, and there he makes a booth for himself, building something for himself while hoping Nineveh will be torn down. And then he sits in the semi-shade of his lean-to and waits. And while Jonah takes this passive position, God takes an active one. With Jonah all bound up in his anger, God starts playfully nudging him like a parent trying to get a pouting child to smile. God does not abandon Jonah or flee from Jonah. God does not fight back. The Lord continues to provide for Jonah. The Lord gives Jonah shade and saves Jonah from his discomfort. And how does the Lord do that? God provides a plant to offer shade, but in God's playful humor, God provides a castor oil plant. And you know what castor oil does, don't you? It's a natural laxative. God is using mother nature to tell the retentive Jonah, loosen up, loosen up. 
Jonah is elated about this bush and the shade and his comfort. And this would be a great place to end this story. And Jonah lived happily ever after the end. Yet God seems more concerned about Jonah's growth than about Jonah's happiness. God wants Jonah to grow, to be better, to not let his attitude to be directly correlated to his circumstance at any given moment. So the story does not end with a happy Jonah. It goes on. Dawn comes up the next day and our active God sends a worm to attack the castor oil plant. Poor worm. The plant withers and then the sun rose up and God prepared a wind. God continues to provide. God gives, God saves, God sends, God prepares this active and loving God. This is a story about a God who is gracious, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent from punishing. It's an open-ended story about who Jonah could be. The wind came up and the sun beat down and after Jonah's beat down, he becomes faint. And we know from Isaiah that the Lord does not become faint or grow weary, but that those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up like eagles on wings of great strength. God gives power to the faint. But Jonah's not waiting on the Lord. He's waiting to see what will happen to Nineveh. He still holds out hope that they'll be destroyed. And then he asks again if he may, might die, saying, I'd be better off dead. So God continues to challenge and teach Jonah. Is it right for you to be angry? God asks him again. Is it right for you to be angry about the bush? And in dramatic fashion, Jonah smugly answers, yes, angry enough to die. God has patiently asked Jonah if he's right to be angry. I love the way Matt Stone said it the other day. If God would also be angry about what you're angry about, then you just might be righteously anger, angry. But if God wouldn't be angry about what you're so angry about, you probably need to let it go. God has asked Jonah twice to reflect on his attitude, but Jonah doubles down on his response. So God tries another tack. And this is when God points out Jonah's inconsistencies. I have to tell you, I hate it when people are able to do that to me, don't you? But that's what love does. In a healthy relationship, you can tell someone the truth or ask tough questions that make them wrestle with the truth about themselves. The degree to which a person can grow is directly proportional to the amount of truth they can accept. The amount of truth they can accept about themselves without running away. God asks, shouldn't I be able to save a whole city for the sake of the children and the animals? Jonah, your position is inconsistent. You're concerned about a plant, a plant that grew up overnight and died the next day, but you aren't concerned about the innocent children and animals in our city? Come on, Jonah. You are more concerned about your comfort than the fate of the most vulnerable. God sticks with Jonah, even when his responses are not helpful. God does not give up on Jonah and God does not give up on us, thankfully. Whatever attitude you have at this moment, is it the one that you need? Is it the one that God wants from you or for you? 
There will be times when the weight of life is so great that we make less than spectacular choices. Amen? It's being human. But an awareness of our attitude can help lead us in a more satisfying direction. And that's what God is trying to do with Jonah. Lead him with a series of questions to a better way. So through prayer and communion today, God heightens our awareness of our attitude, of where we are, and helps us to make an attitude adjustment, to break through our anger, bringing healing and forgiveness to our anger and angry and sometimes broken spirits. May we come to the communion table this morning to receive a new attitude, as our attitude can make a huge impact on how we embrace the world. God loves us and sends a storm, a fish, a word, a plant, a worm, and a wind, all to try and get Jonah's attitude in check. The God of the universe sent his only begotten son to bring us new life. Is it right for you to be angry? The table of forgiveness and grace is set before us, for God loves us already. Will you taste and see that the Lord is gracious and merciful? slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and ready to forgive. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.